Greetings, Embers, and welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. I'd like to thank the reform members of the channel. Tina Mead, Seven, Luz Crispin, Tammy Slayton, CAG, Denise S, Through Scrutiny, Samantha Place, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Norma DW, Christy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's Knees. If you would like to learn how to become a member of the channel or would like to buy me a coffee as a special thank you, those links can be found down below. Also, if you are new here and enjoy what you are hearing, or you've been here and not done so already, please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment. Not only does it help the channel out, but it also reminds you of every time I upload a video. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and a happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Deep Web Stories. Right after this intro, an ad will play, and because these stories are so long, I'm going to play the second ad before I begin reading the first story. And after that, there will be no more ads within this video. July 1st, 2018, a face is staring into the camera. Sandy hair, mid-twenties, male, somewhat reminiscent of a squirrel in his rabid mannerisms. The big day is finally here. This is our first time testing out our new spider bot on the dark web. And we're both pretty excited. We've only got a week left to iron out all the bugs before Kevin has to defend his thesis and I don't anticipate any problems. Kevin is nervous as hell, but the kid is an absolute genius. He's still configuring his Tor network and VPN, so I'm going to catch everyone up who are just joining the stream now. Typical web crawlers haven't been able to explore the dark web because they can't index specific inputs like forms or authentication passphrases. I'm mostly here for moral support and don't understand it completely. But Kevin's Spiderbot has machine learning algorithms, which have been training the last few weeks to learn a new adaptive method of keyword selection. You hear that derisive snort at my oversimplification? Yeah, that's Kevin. Say hello, Kevin. The streamer looks off camera. Off camera voice. Shut up, Brian. Whatever. Fuck you too, man. Based on the training results, we should be able to index a couple thousand pages a day. Google only reaches 16% of all available websites. So that means it's going to take us approximately mm, forever to get through it all with our current computing power. This is just proof of concept, though. All we're using at the moment is Kevin's old laptop that his dog crinkles practically smashed. The power cord was stretched across the room, and this little bulldog comes barreling through it. Indistinct grunt off camera. Hold on. It looks like we're good to go. If all goes well, then in a couple of months, you're going to start reading about how the dark web cased to exist because of our little spider. 
I'm going to end the stream now to let it get started, but join us again tomorrow to explore all the cool stuff we found. July 3rd, 2018. The sandy-haired man is back. There are bags under his eyes, but he's as enthusiastic as ever. Hey guys, me again. Sorry for the delay, but we hit an unexpected bump. Spider was doing great and had already logged a few hundred sites when it abruptly stopped with this weird error. It keeps telling us that it has already indexed everything. Kevin is able to manually direct it to keep finding new sites, but as soon as it's automated, it says it's finished everything. Kevin is practically ripping his hair out, but it's not like this has been a complete waste of time. We did discover a brand new, never-before-seen color that I'm pretty sure didn't used to exist. All Kevin had to do was put on a white t-shirt a week ago, then eat nothing but barbecue chicken wings and spit out the sauce. The camera starts to pan to the left. An unseen hand shoves in back into place. Anyway, Brian rambles. It looks like we might still be a while, so... Off-camera voice. Got it. I don't understand it, but I got it. Well, whip me red and call me applesauce, because it looks like we're back in business. Off-camera voice. What? That's not a saying? Nobody says that? Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. You have got to get out more. People are saying that, like, all the time. So, what was the holdup? Off-camera voice. It's all linked. Look at this. A drug marketplace. An anime forum. A counterfeit producer. Some dungeon porn. Hmm, you have my attention. Off-camera voice. It's all referencing the same destination. Spider stops indexing because it thinks the whole dark web is this one site. I'm going to try to get it that relates to a joke I know. So, a drug lord, a weeboo, a con man, and a porn star all walk into a bar. Off-camera voice. This isn't a real joke. Just shut up. I'm trying to concentrate. And the Birdman says, What are you guys doing together? So, the drug lord says. Off-camera voice. They've all got something to hide. Even the porn star? Off-camera voice. It's got to be a blackmail thing. These guys must be tunneling into their websites to get info or hold them ransom. But there's no way they can be everywhere. Every single site Spider finds. Shit. Shit motherfucking bitch sticks. Oh, like that's a real saying. Off-camera voice. They're on my computer. I have no idea how they trace Spider back. But the mouse is moving on its own. It's typing an address into Tor. What are you doing? Off-camera voice. Popping out the battery. The power button isn't working. No, no, don't. The streamer dives off-camera, bumping noises. Off-camera voice. Dude, give that back. The streamer returns in front of the camera, holding a battered old laptop. Nah, man. This is what the people are here to see. Let's find out where these hackers are trying to take us. 
I swear to God, Brian. An overweight torpedo wearing a blotchy shirt of unclassifiable color hurdles across the screen. The streamer's chair tips over and both men go down. The laptop is left in front of the camera where a long line of seemingly random letters and symbols are typing themselves into the address bar of a Tor browser. Indistinct muffled swearing. The website loads. A countdown timer starting at 15 minutes begins to tick down. Kevin and Brian stick their heads up over the desk in unison to stare at it. At least shut the damn camera off, Kevin says. Only if you'll let it count down so we can see what happens, Brian replies, swatting away Kevin's hand, which stretches for the laptop. God, you're such an asshole. Whatever, fine, just shut it off. The sandy man begins to wave, but the screen cuts off halfway through. When the stream turns, the timer reads 15 seconds. The angle is weird, as if the camera in his lap hidden beneath the desk. The looming Brian is pacing and muttering to himself in the center of the screen. Kevin surreptitiously leans over the camera and gives a thumbs up, mouthing the words, Oh my God. The timer hits zero and stays there. A dog starts barking somewhere in the distance. <sighs> Are you happy now? Kevin grunts. Give it back, okay? There's a knock on the door. A single knock, loud and deliberate. The barking intensifies, snarling, growling, all hell breaking loose in its little world. Not really, Kevin whispers. A second knock, then a third, each about three seconds apart. You get it, both men say at the same time. They stare at each other until the next knock. This is your fault. Kevin wheezes in a voice halfway between a whisper and a shout. Yeah, yeah, he replies. He approaches the door, the camera angle still at waist height. Then, in a louder voice, Who is it? Are you still recording? Kevin hisses. Unbelievable. The screen is filled by the door as Kevin gets closer. He's right up against it, so he's probably looking through the peak hole crash a sound loud enough to max out the speaker volume the door explodes inward in a wave of splinters the screen shakes erratically and there's nothing but splinters and lances of light and screaming a gray skinned hand streaks across the camera if you freeze the frame you'll notice that the skin looks more like coarse cloth and that there is stitching running up and down the fingers. The stream cuts off. July 10th, the streamer is back. His face seems paler. His skin is breaking out and his hair hangs in greasy strings around his face. He's sitting at a bare table in a concrete room. The lights are dim, but there's a large man standing in the back of the room. His hands are folded motionlessly in front of him. Um, yeah, hi guys. This must be my last broadcast for a while. He glances back at the figure in the corner, but there's no movement. Back to the camera. 
Kevin's okay. I mean, he's different, but he's okay. He glances back to the corner of the room, but the figure still hadn't budged. Brian's shadow shifts with his movement, and for a moment, the stitch, cloth, or skin of the person in the corner is visible running all the way up his arm. I I guess they had something like spider. They were only tunneling into websites on the dark web anyway. I guess those kind of people could disappear without as many questions being asked. They wanted my followers to know, though. Brian swallows. He looks behind again. Then a sudden burst of movement, grabbing the camera and dragging it up to his face. Close your browser now. Shut off your computer. The figure in the back had started to move. Great, lumbering steps, charging forward. Brian's words are a breathy rush. It only takes 15 minutes for them to find you once they've established a connection. (sighs) The cloth hands seize Brian from behind and drag him off camera. Don't do this, Kevin, he shouts. How long has your browser been open already? Just shut the damn thing off. There's a loud, heavy thud. A heavy set face appears in front of the camera for a moment. The human eyes look strange and bedded with the cloth. Stitches run down either side of his face along the jawline. The cloth might just be sewed to the skin, but it fits so closely to the anatomy of Kevin's face that it looks more like the cloth has replaced it. The stream cuts to black, replaced by the last few seconds of a depleting timer. A little backstory when this happened. I was 22 years old and had just graduated from college with a bachelor's degree in computer programming and was feeling like a hot shot. I moved into a nice little studio apartment, which was actually a motel room at one point, before the apartment company took over and did renovations. The area was nice, with lots of trees, beautiful views, and a small river that ran behind the apartments. Being situated 10 miles outside of the city meant that there were not that many people who frequented our area. But I was glad of that, as it would be nice to have some peace and quiet to focus on my programming and web design skills. I remember hearing everyone in high school and college rambling about being on the deep or dark web, as you may say. The uses are actually quite interchangeable. However, they also are two very different parts of the internet as a whole. You have the clear net. That can be accessed by phone with an entire internet connection and searches such as Google. Then you have the deep web, which is the greater part of the internet that is hidden and cannot be accessed without a special program or browser such as Tor. And finally, part of and inside of the deep web, you have the dark web or even dark net 
which most of the horrific stories you read about take place. Hearing all of these stories from other friends or from reading them online over the years intrigued me and set me on the career path that, at the time, I thought I truly wanted. Now, not so much. My goal was simple, to create a program that would run without the use of a script that would actually be disguised as a picture file. If anyone opened the file, then my program would execute and be able to look directly into the computer system's full log records and would be able to snip out the original IP address of the affected computer, as well as any personal information such as names, birthdays, credit card numbers, etc. Now, I know what you are thinking. I was definitely up to no good in creating a problem like this. But you would be completely wrong. After hearing of some of the truly horrifying people that hide on the dark web, and seeing as many of the stories end with these people never getting caught, I could not fathom why nobody made a program to catch these people. I worked out how I could catch these people, think alike, and to pretend to be one of those people. When I had finally compiled the program, compressed it down to less than one megabyte and disguised it like a picture file, I planned to use it. I was ready to test it out. I pulled out my old junky laptop that I used for school. The thing was a pure piece of shit and the perfect test bed for anything that I created. I connected the laptop to the internet and created a test email into the file. I had to test different methods of delivery. So I also used a private Dropbox so I could test email delivery and opening, direct placement from a flash drive, and the big one that I was counting on, downloading the file and opening it from the internet outside of email programs. When all three methods worked and started sending the plethora of data to my main laptop in the form of updated notepads, I jumped for joy. I thought to myself, so, basic IP and personal information, sniffing works. What about if they are pros using multiple VPNs and the like? I installed two separate VPN programs on my test laptop and even connected to a proxy server through them to test the result. They still came back the same, just showing the additional IP addresses from the VPN. I was now ready to hunt these people. My studying in school paid off, having allowed me the knowledge to be able to create this amazing tool. I would make my own show, like Chris Hansen's To Catch a Predator, but mine would be called To Catch a Weber. Yes, my ego was extremely high at the time, but I could not celebrate. Not until I knew that it 100% worked, without a doubt, against a third party. This is when things really began to get interesting. I had Tor and the hidden wiki opened up, my VPN fully configured, and I was ready to go. I wanted to get to the dark web, and most people find it by clicking something randomly. I selected a random website from the hidden wiki to begin my journey. 
just the basic news board, mainly spreading support to those who are oppressed around the world. I clicked on another link and it took me to a blank page. I waited a few seconds and still nothing, so I went back and tried another link. This one took me to some jewelry site. After reading some, I noticed the end of each and boasted that the jewelry was stolen from graves, fresh and old, with some being claimed to be thousands of years old. Like most sites on the deep and dark web, Bitcoin was the currency to use on the website. I saw enough there and was about to go back and try another link when a chat box popped up with the generic name admin followed by a message. Hello, welcome to our site. Everything here is 100% authentic, antique, and unique. Is there anything specific you are looking for today? I must admit I wasn't caught off guard at all with normal online stores. This is pretty standard protocol. I typed out my reply confidently. You know, I was actually just looking at your selection. So much to choose from. It's a little overwhelming and I am just mainly browsing. Within literally five seconds, I had a reply from the admin. We look forward to seeing your purchase. Please let us know if we can assist you further. Okay, now that seriously took me back. They told me they look forward to seeing my purchase? Fuck that. I clicked out without even replying. I had double checked my setup and I was still 100% anonymous. My VPN was still working so that eased my paranoia. I clicked another link and this time I was taken to a black webpage with white text in the center. I could not read the text, in fact. When I looked closer, it didn't even look like real writing at all. I clicked it and a box popped up asking for what I am assuming was login information. Obviously, I didn't have that, but oddly enough, yet another chat box popped up and I just see, I got you. Info started being entered into the first box. The next screen I see is white with what appeared to be a directory to many different areas. The chat box appeared again and read, Enjoy and behave. I have no clue who that was or where to even start in the directory. I know there are so many horrible people hiding on the dark web. But I wanted to stop the killers more than anything else. I heard so many stories of red rooms and people being kidnapped and used for others' pleasure and dying horrific deaths, and I had to help to stop that. I was on a mission. I clicked a random link and the page slowly loaded. There were three pictures displayed, a storm, a green pasture in sunlight, and a knife. Obviously, I clicked on the knife and was loaded into the dark web equivalent of a sick and sadistic Instagram of death. I saw one picture of an older guy laying on a couch with a gag in his mouth titled Vomit Death. A small description said the poster thought it would be funny to watch their friend drown in their own drunken vomit. 
they went on to brag about how the gag relieved them of any legal responsibility in the death because it was deemed a stupid drunken game. I wanted to nail that fucker but continued on. Another image was of a young girl, probably early 20s, hanging from a tree with the title, At Death I Part. The small description read, You wanted till death do us part. Now you have it, and I'm free. This one confused me then, and still does now for a couple of reasons. Was this a suicide or a murder, or who posted it? The next picture I saw really caught my eye. It looked like one of the pieces of jewelry I had looked at on the jewelry site. A bracelet. In fact, the very one. The exact one that prompted the chat log to pop up. At this point, I knew better than to click on it. But I was also arrogant in my ego and had full confidence in my program. I clicked the picture. This time, there was a small handwritten note in the picture. Hello, we need your business. You did not make a purchase. After reading that and feeling my heart practically stop, I was then automatically redirected back to the jewelry site and looking at the same damn bracelet. Immediately, the chat box popped up with the admin and read, We knew you would be back to make your purchase. I did not even know what to say before they added, The site you were just on is also run by us. We helped you log in so you could get a small taste of our different varieties of content. Access is subscription-based, and you pay for access by buying our jewelry. Furthermore, if you do not make a purchase, then we will restrict further and future access to our sites as well as release your browsing habits to your family and friends. You have 10 minutes to decide. I simply replied, Searching is not a crime. I did not find much value in your other websites. I've seen better and I don't wear jewelry, so sorry, no sale. I felt like a smug bastard knowing they couldn't know who I am personally or even track me, but the reply I got shocked me. Whatever sites contain the content you viewed is all under us. You don't know what you are getting into or how big our business is. Simply make a small purchase and we can move on. I get aggressive sales tactics, but this takes the cake in being intertwined with blackmail and extortion. I wouldn't have it and replied, I refuse to be blackmailed or extorted by people or entities claiming to have false information on me. Unlike you people, I have proof of a better site that does not strong arm their users. You cannot provide any information to me, about me, like I'm sure you can others. You know this. Admin typed back. You have no proof. You are probably some kid acting out. Tell you what. Show me your proof 
and I'll show you mine. Arrogant and with the time I had been waiting for having arrived, I uploaded the image to a secure site and messaged them when it was done. I did not get a reply right away, but after three minutes, I knew they opened the image, thus executing the hidden program because I started getting a plethora of log updates. This happened for about five minutes before the logs stopped updating and another five minutes before the admin finally came back and said, I thought you had proof of a better site than ours, James. Truly, I am disappointed, but not surprised. No site tops what we provide as a whole, and you do not even understand how deep things go. As for the picture of your cat, very sneaky, but you did not consider your first serious flaw, that anyone with knowledge of how your little toy works can reverse engineer it, dismantle it, and can find where the information is being sent to. You are in a very nice secluded area and easily traceable. Unlike me, who is operating under many different aliases, stolen identities, and on throwaway laptops, I can be mobile in a matter of seconds, gone without a trace. Let me share a couple things with you to help you make the wise choice in your situation. Our image site of the deceased that you saw and clicked through, well, some of those people are people who become an issue and their jewelry, one of the millions of pieces we have available currently on top of what we have collected over the years. Now, are you going to make your purchase? My jaw hit the floor. I was fucking speechless, and this lunatic was absolutely right. I did not account for being backtraced through my own program because of my arrogance, not to mention the fact that if they were really using multiple identities, tracking down the perp just isn't going to happen. I couldn't reply. I was frozen in fear when another bit of text popped up in the chat box. James, I know you are still there. Just make a purchase, James and we both disappear afterward and have no further contact. I don't want to send my associates to you. You haven't truly insulted us yet. Just make a purchase and this can all be done. Don't spit in the face of our work. I slammed my laptop to the ground and started stomping it like the scene in office space where they beat the shit out of a printer. Pieces were flying all over the place, and it was just an unrecognizable piece of metal and bits. I was on a month-to-month lease at the time and moved out the next day to another place in the city. It was more expensive and the location sucked, but knowing I had lots of others around me constantly made me feel safe, and still does. That was three years ago, and I am still living in the place I moved to after this happened. 
I have since stuck to web design and have strayed far away from the deep and dark web. Nothing has come of this that I know of, but they could still be out there watching and waiting, and then I may not become part of their content. My local internet cafe is not much of a sight to behold. I think that's what may have contributed to it shutting down for a couple of months back in June. The exterior was reminiscent of an abandoned shack with its dilapidated appearance and broken window. However, after they cleaned up the inside, I definitely saw some improvement. Sparkling clean tile floors and beautiful mahogany countertops filled the cafe with a sense of ease and elegance. I always got plenty of work done in there, so the shop's grungy look never bothered me much. But it was nice to have a change of scenery once the cleanup was done. I was probably the only regular at the cafe, venturing in on almost a daily basis. Plenty of other folks cycled in and out, and but nary a familiar face would show up. This was fine since I only went there to edit my blogs and website on occasion. Striking up conversation with someone recognizable was not on the agenda, however. I was there for some much-needed peace and quiet, not small talk. Though I had Wi-Fi at home, the thin walls there did little to muffle my father's drunken ramblings. The cafe was my escape from the unwanted noise. I strolled in on a Saturday morning, just five days after the grand reopening. I was feeling pretty groggy, still recovering from a cold I caught during the week. The humid August air didn't help matters. Because of this, I decided to grab a coffee before getting my things set up. I walked across the glimmering newly replaced floors and heard them squeak under my sneakers. I laughed a little to myself, almost tempted to start turning in place just to hear the sound a few more times. No, I told myself, you need to grow up. I ordered my coffee and took a look around the room while I waited for it. I took a mental note of how many faces were in the cafe with me. I was surely going to grab a quiet little table in the corner, away from these strangers. Small iced together? The barista held out my coffee and straw. Oh, thanks, I said plainly. I threw down a couple of quarters as a tip, strode on over to the table I wanted. I spent the next few hours clipping and splicing my videos from the days previous. I was doing a week-long series about the gym I go to, basically workout tips and some comedy bits with my buddy, Jake, who works on the front desk. I found myself laughing out loud over a protein shake skit we had done. I may have drawn some attention to my little corner of the room. Though the staring eventually subsided, I felt it best for me to leave, as I had been in there much longer than usual. I reached down and unplugged my laptop charger, and that's when my hand brushed up against something. 
Confused, I took a look under the table to investigate. A 16-inch black bag sat just beyond where my feet were settled. It had pockets and a shoulder strap, as well as an abundance of dust coating the leather. Holy crap, I thought to myself. Someone must have left their laptop behind or something. At first, I was going to do the right thing. I very easily could have handed it to a barista and called it a day. I guess, maybe, that would have been the smart thing to do. However, a mixture of curiosity and stupidity washed over me, keeping me from being honest. Instead, after packing up my own things, I swung the mystery bag over my shoulder and swiftly exited the cafe. Very stupid. I pulled into my driveway at about noon, the hot sun beaming down on my front lawn. My father was doing his usual half-assed inspection of the plants in the garden, beer can in hand. I tried to get into the house without a word to him, but he stopped me just as I opened the storm door. Hey, hey, why are you in such a hurry? He asked, taking a swig of his drink. Dad, I don't have time. Important website business. Well, well, he slurred. Don't stop on my behalf. But you just stopped me, I thought to myself. I pushed through the front door, passing my sleeping mother on the couch, and darted upstairs to my room. Slam. I shut my door hard behind me and locked it immediately. I tossed my belongings and newly found goods onto my bed and kicked my shoes clear across the room. I was excited to dig into this lucky hall. Carefully and slowly, I unzipped the top of the bag and pulled it open. I gasped a little to myself. Despite the appearance of the bag, the contents were no joke. A shiny, brand-new-looking laptop was nestled nicely inside. I pulled it out and observed it with awe. It was certainly nicer than my basic 500-gig HP from a big box store. I couldn't believe what I was holding. I flipped it open and began feeling the keys and monitor. It was in mint condition. I had to be the luckiest guy in the world, I thought. Everything was there, including a charger and wireless mouse. I even found a bag of screen wipes at the bottom. I also dug into the pocket, curious as to what treasure I might find in there. What I found was a cell phone. Nothing special, just some cheap Android phone. It was still powered on and had no screen lock on it. Exploring it further... I noticed that there were no texts and only one recent call to an out-of-state number. Being into electronics, I went into the settings to see what kind of operating system it had. It was vastly out-of-state on software, still set in some variation of the Lollipop OS. That's all right, I thought. I could still flip it for a quick ten bucks or so. I placed it on the bed next to my laptop and sat for a moment, trying to take in what I had in front of me. 
this was such a great find, but I needed to power on the laptop and figure out what I was working with. To my excitement, there was no login screen. I was in, immediately after booting it up. I was never as into laptops as I was phones, but I could tell right away I was not working with your standard stock operating system. This thing resembled more of a modded setup that I had seen kids working with back in high school, but I couldn't name it off the top of my head. Luckily, it was simple enough to navigate. I set it up with my Wi-Fi and dived right into the large file storage to get some of idea of whose computer I had. I was disappointed for a few moments, but after clicking around a bit, I did find a folder labeled A. Inside was one JPG titled One by One. Intrigued, my stomach did a little flip as I opened the image. I was puzzled by what I found. It was a screenshot of a website. It looked like a post in some form from a user named Anonadon and four with nothing but phone numbers listed and zero replies. Underneath the list was the tagline, you know who you are. Scanning the image for answers, I noticed the address bar for the site. It seemed to be a nonsense string of characters followed by a dot onion extension. Onion? Wasn't that a parody news site or something? I wasn't too sure, but I decided to dig a little deeper. I clicked on the X at the top, taking me back to the desktop. That's when I noticed another folder. This one was labeled Picks, which stirred up some more thrills in my bones. Yes, I cheered to myself. This would more than likely reveal the owner's identity. I became disappointed as I clicked through the pictures. There were no human life, just shots of different places and scenery. This included a dark image of a barber shop, a path in the woods somewhere, and even someone's garage. What really caught my eye was the last pick. It was the cafe. My stomach started doing acrobatics now, my heart racing. Why were there random pictures in this thing? Why was there a screenshot of a message board with a list of phone numbers? The files just weren't adding up for me, but I hatched a half-baked plan. I didn't know if it was going to end the mystery, but I couldn't help but pry. I pulled up the pic with the phone numbers, grabbed my Android phone, and dialed the first number at the top of the list. After only two rings, I was greeted with silence. Strange, I thought, but I pressed on. I dialed the next number on the list. This time, it rang five times before I got a generic inbox greeting with a phone number listed. Interesting, but I hung up before I heard the beep. I grew bored of dialing the random numbers. I decided to take a break and put the laptop and cell phone away for a little while. I knew I'd come back to it later. Once the evening rolled around, I waited for my parents to go to bed. And then 
fixed myself up a snack. This was pretty much a nightly routine of mine. I clicked on the TV as I usually did and settled on the first news channel I scrolled to. This is when things took a turn for the weird. A breaking news story was displayed on screen, one from the next town over. Young barber, age 25, found murdered at work. Damn. I shook my head. That sucks. A female news reporter was on the scene outside of the barber shop where it took place. Wait a second. I couldn't believe my eyes. That barber shop. It was the same one from the pic on the laptop. I was sure of it. I put my plate down on the coffee table and raced upstairs to grab the computer. I booted it up, clicked on the photo of pictures, and then the photo in question. I ran back downstairs with the laptop in hand and held it up to the TV screen. Yes, it was definitely the same barber shop. Wow. What were the chances of that? I was shaking my head in amazement. I finished watching the news story and began feeling tired. I was about ready for bed, so I grabbed the remote. The news story just after grabbed my attention before I hit the power button. Cold murder in local forest. This one was also nearby, just over the bridge in the opposite direction. This world is terrible, I thought. I hadn't seen two stories like that back-to-back in a long time. That's when it hit me. I scrolled over to the picture of the woods in the same folder. Then, I waited to see if the news story included the location of the homicide on video. Though I didn't get anything solid to compare it to, I was definitely getting weird vibes. First a barbershop, and now a forest? I had to be grasping at straws, though. Right? I decided it was bedtime. I had a pretty restless night of sleep, tossing and turning and kicking my covers to the foot of my bed. It was hot and humid, and I kept waking up with the sweats. Needless to say, I was in dire need of coffee the next morning. I was probably smart to leave the large laptop at home, grabbing my own equipment as I headed out the door. I drove rather quickly to the cafe, eyelids still heavy. I got my regular coffee and sat down at my favorite booth in the corner. Only one other person resided in the building, apart from the baristas at work. It was nice and quiet and felt peaceful. A good contrast from my evening snack and sweaty night of uninterrupted rest. Still, my mind couldn't help but wonder. The web address from the screenshot I found came rolling into the forefront of my thoughts. What was that onion domain all about? Why did the web address make no sense? It was something like code influx with random numbers and symbols after it. This was meaningless to me. I decided to do some research. I couldn't recall the exact website, but I remember the .onion extension, so I started from there. I was immediately blown away. Apparently, 
What it pertains to is web addresses not reachable on normal servers. It takes you through something called Tor and is used for some pretty shady activity. I guess it involves what's called the dark web. I'd heard a little about this before. I was beginning to feel sick. The websites listed on the wiki were pretty revolting to say the least. Nothing I would ever want to be involved in. The worst part? I was beginning to think the laptop I found was used solely to access this part of the internet. I couldn't bear the thought of being in possession of it any longer. I had to do something. I stormed out of the cafe ready to spring into action when I was stopped by a tap on my leg. I looked down to see a homeless-looking man in a black tattered leather jacket sitting up against the front of the building. His face looked rough, complete with a badly shaven beard and crooked lips. He looked miserable. He held out a small plastic cup, looking up at me with desperation in his eyes. Spare change, sir? I'm in a hurry, dude, and I don't carry cash. Please. He begs some more. He reaches out and grabs my pant legs. No, get away from me. I kicked his hand away. The guy looked upset. His eyes were actually watering a bit. I felt a little bad, but damn, don't grab me. That's when the guy did the strangest thing. He took out a phone and started taking pictures of me. What are you doing now? I asked, confused as all hell. He didn't answer. All I could do about it was run to my car and leave as fast as possible. What was that guy's deal? I called my friend Peter on my way home. I knew he would have some more insight on this whole thing. I was hoping I could bring him to my house and have him wipe the computer clean. Then, I could sell it to a random Yahoo and be done with this whole misadventure. Once I picked up my friend, I sped back to my house and showed him what I had found in the cafe. He was pretty blown away. <laughs> this thing is lethal. He laughed. <laughs> it looks pretty customized, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I noticed, but take a look at these. I clicked through the photos, showing him the ones that I compared with the news story. So, you think this laptop has some sort of connection to the murders? I don't know, man, but I, I think there's something fishy going on. He shrugged and took over the mouse for a moment. Where's the pictures with the phone numbers? It's somewhere in the file storage. Yep, uh, click there and, uh, oh yeah, bingo. Peter stared intently at the list and address bar in the screenshot. He also checked the file description and saw that the screenshot originated from the laptop. So it was taken from within the device. My hairs were at attention, all up and down my skin. So you tested these numbers out? Yeah, with this phone. I handed him the cell phone that came in the bag with the laptop and he scanned it rapidly. Definitely a track phone, something bought as a burner. 
possibly for some sort of business task? Shall we try another phone number? I nodded and pointed to one, just below the phone numbers I tested out. He dialed it in and threw it on speakerphone so we could both listen in. It rang and rang and rang. It didn't stop ringing, so we hung up after the eighth ring. Peter looked at the phone funny and then up at me. I honestly don't know what's up with this. Did you want me to just factory reset everything? Yeah, I mean, is that going to take care of my problem? Mm, Not sure, but I think I'd like to have some fun with this before we call it a day. I gave him a look. A glance of disagreement. I didn't think that would be in our best interest. I don't think we should be messing with this dude. Oh, come on. What could go wrong? You could even film it. This could go viral. Well, I'm not going to vlog me hanging around with a stolen laptop. Just do what you got to do with it and, and let's move on. Peter smirked looked at the screen again, and then dialed another phone number from the list. Again, we got nothing. This time, just another generic voice mailbox greeting. He continued on to the next phone number, and halfway through dialing, he stopped. His eyes were scanning the screen. Um... His face was now white as a ghost. What? Why did you stop? Are you okay? This is... This is my phone number. My heart panged like a club to a gong. What? (laughs) That can't be. I scooted over next to Peter and observed the screen. He was right. Just to be sure, he finished dialing and hit send. He put his phone up to his ear and waited. Just as he suspected, his pocket lit up and his ringtone sang away. We both looked at each other in shock. Dude. My hands were shaking and my mouth was agape so far I think my jaw was brushing my bed sheets. What? How? Is all Peter could muster up from his racing thoughts. This is unreal. I don't like this at all. Just wipe the hard drive and let's be done with it. Wait, he shouted while looking at the screen again. My heart sank some more. I had a feeling about what he was about to say. What? Don't tell me. He didn't say a word. All he did was start frantically dialing another number. That's when I felt it. My pocket was now vibrating. I gulped so loud that I flinched. I reached down and pulled out my phone and answered and held it up to my ear. Peter, I said through the receiver, looking at my visibly shaken friend across from me. This is so messed up. He responded through the burner phone. I ended up driving Peter home shortly after. He had handed the phone over and told me he wanted to leave and take everything in. He left the laptop with me and told me he'd rather not mess with it. 
We decided to meet up at the cafe and drop it back off in the morning. We'd wake up early and hopefully be the first ones in. However, I missed my alarm. Apparently, I also missed 10 calls from Peter. I owned up to my messages and noticed the four texts he had sent. Damn. I had to get going and fast. I had already packed up everything the night before, so all I had to do now was throw on a t-shirt and shorts and head to the cafe. As I turned the corner to where the cafe was, I had to hit the brakes pretty quickly. What I saw on that road was nothing but cops and ambulances. There were roadblocks set up on either side of the ambulances, and the cafe was barricaded. What in the... I was thinking out loud. This was crazy. There were people with their hands on their faces, looking scared and sad. I pulled over into the grocery store parking lot across the street and then walked over to the scene to get a closer look. I assumed Peter was going to do the same. I ended up in a crowd of onlookers next door, looking at the scene before us. There was blood splatter on the front doors of the cafe and some papers, among other belongings strewn all about. More blood covered the ground. Jesus, this was a damn massacre. I could hear the people beside me whispering to each other about what was going on. They're talking about a possible serial killer, one woman said to a friend. The kid was about to walk in and suddenly bullets came in from over there. Someone saw who fired the shots. A guy filled his wife in about what he had witnessed. I was too curious to just be craning my neck from back there. I needed a closer look. I peered over at the cops, who were busy questioning a barista by the ambulances. I crept past the barricade carefully. I slipped past a couple of other baristas and made my way to a second ambulance by the other barricade. The stretcher was in view now, but I couldn't tell who was in it. I decided to kneel down beside the ambulance and hopefully catch some conversation between the EMTs. I took out my phone and started recording. We lost him. He wasn't hanging in there much when we got here, but I was hoping. Jan, it's not your fault. You saved the girl. You can't save them all, you know. I wished I could. I heard him talk before he let go, you know. He told me that his name was Peter. My hand jumped up over my mouth as I let out the weirdest sound. It was a gasp combined with a grunt of disbelief. No, it couldn't be. Yeah, the other EMT said. We have his information already. Guess he was an IT guy. For a local business. Smart kid, early 20s. I stumbled back a bit on my heels, dropping my phone in the process. I bumped into something solid behind me and stood up quickly. I turned around and saw the same homeless guy from the other day. My face was still contorted from the information I had just received from my eavesdropping. The guy was just staring at me, stoic. 
He didn't even react to me bumping into him. He was glaring at me from behind an unchanging expression. I couldn't help it. I booked it across the street to my car. I could feel tears forming in my ducts, eyes twitching in the wind from my open driver's side window. Why did I have to wake up so late? Maybe Peter would have been spared from whatever this was. A drive-by? An assassination of some kind? My head was dizzy, my heart was hurting, and I was beginning to make some connection. The pictures on the computer, the phone numbers, the murders, everything. I was getting an idea as to what it was I was dealing with. The stuff about the dark web, the strange laptop, and the phone numbers. I arrived home, heart sick as all hell. My friend was murdered today, and I couldn't stop it. Maybe if I had never grabbed the computer from the cafe, he'd still be alive. Maybe if I hadn't been so stupid, I could have handled this whole thing differently. And he wouldn't be dead right now. To top it off, I realized I left my phone at the bloody scene. I groaned and threw my head back in the driver's seat. Now what? Well, the phone is near some cops and the EMTs. Maybe if I call, they'll believe I dropped it before they got there, and I won't get in any trouble. I reached back and grabbed the burner phone out of the bag and started to dial my phone number when I suddenly had a thought. If the phone numbers were dialed somehow had something to do with the murders, that must mean... I grabbed the laptop out of the bag, my heart racing and body profusely sweating in fear. This whole thing was unreal. The fact that I was right in the middle of it was even worse. I clicked on the folder of photos of the scenery from earlier. Again... My eyes scrolled across the picture of the barbershop, then the forest. Finally, my eyes got to the picture of the cafe. Yes, the phone numbers in these locations have to somehow be tied together, but I didn't know how. Why was this happening? I was about to leave the folder, and then a small thumbnail at the end of the list of pictures caught my eye. I hovered the cursor over it and opened it up. With some cloud service, the image was revealed. My jaw dropped in utter horror. A picture of my house. I was looking at a picture of my front yard and home. I hadn't noticed this before. Why hadn't I noticed this? Over in the top corner was a link one that opened up the full cloud folder from some email made up of more gibberish characters. This folder contained more pics. Pics that were very different from the others. No way! I shouted out loud, face contorted in anger and fear all at once. Pictures of me. Pictures of me looking directly at the camera. Others of my car. The last ones were me sneaking into the crime scene at the cafe. That guy. That homeless-looking guy from the other day and behind the ambulance. I have his laptop. He was watching me. 
How did he tie into these murders? My silent tirade was interrupted by the sudden sound of a jingle to my right. My phone was ringing in my passenger seat. I picked it up and peered at the phone number. I couldn't handle this anymore. I just could not take it. It was my own phone number. Grudgingly, I decide to swipe and answer the call. Who, who is this? I stammered. A gravelly voice answered from the other end. Spare change, sir. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true deep web stories. If you are asleep, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you're awake, I hope you've enjoyed the collection. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves. I'll be reading to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening. Peace, love, and light to you all.